Hello and welcome to another episode of the Five at the Back Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Charles, here with Jen, Eric, Scott, and, uh, and we got a guest host today. Everyone's favorite, Christian, is filling in while Phil is out. All right, so welcome, Christian. Um, I'm back, actually going to go. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you back. Uh, we, uh, we actually are going to rely on you quite a bit tonight. Well, not quite a bit, some. Uh, and I'm going to toss it over to you right now. Nations League is going on in Europe. Not many people have heard of what that is or, or why it's going on. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a rundown of what it is and, and what kind of games went on today? Sure. So before uh, the Nations League, the international teams used to play a lot of friendlies in between tournaments. So as we all know, there's the World Cup and then there's the European Championship and all the European teams compete in little groups to play to see who goes through to the finals. Uh, but in between those, they used to have meaningless friendlies where clubs would not let their players go because they didn't want them to get injured. So UEFA decided to create this Nations League, and it's really, really well done. So last of the last few years, uh, all of the major teams, so Germany, Spain, England, France, have put their strongest teams out. And last in the last uh, version of this, England had... Uh, Spain and Croatia in their group which they topped Uh, so today was the new beginning for the new Nations League and uh, Germany played Spain it ended up in a tie Uh, it was it was a pretty boring game because you know we a lot of the Spanish guys just played in the uh, in the Europa League and a lot of the German guys just played in the Champions League final so it was missing a lot of good guys but uh, I actually watched the Turkey versus Hungary game which was, uh, which was out there. And I think I may have seen the goal of the season already from one of the hungry guys. So if, uh, if you guys haven't watched it, then you should totally watch it. But for the whole nation's team, Wales got a good victory in Finland. And uh, other notable results, I guess, Ukraine beating Switzerland and Russia beating Serbia. But yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to this tournament because although it's not huge, it's also kind of fun. And England play Iceland on Saturday at noon. And of course, Iceland beat us in 2016, knocking us out of the uh, European Championships. It's been, so, been pretty exciting. Uh, I, uh, I'll say, for those of you who have not yet seen that goal that he's referring to, uh, come and check us out on Twitter, at F-I-V-E-A-T-B. Uh, we've retweeted the goal on there for, you, for everybody to see, so please come check it out and uh, see for yourself. So I just have a quick question looking at it. So there's, there's different leagues, like there's a league, a league B league C. What is it? Their, their ranking, their international ranking that determines what group they go into, or is it just kind of a hodgepodge or what? So the first, uh, the first go round of this, it was FIFA's coefficient. Mm -hmm. And then it was supposed to be, so those who finish at the bottom of group A's, leagues right went down to b and whoever won the b league went up to a but uh it didn't work out that way because germany were well, at the bottom of their group and they got relegated but <laughs> in uh, a for some reason so you know as uefa does it likes to tweak the rules occasionally so uh uefa is gonna uefa they sure are yeah so okay. yeah so it's, it's based on fifa's coefficient okay Cool. It's yeah, fantastic. All right. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, some interesting games to watch over the next couple of days uh, in this time between uh, between the seasons. You know, a little a little soccer to hold us over. 
All right, so uh, we're going to continue on now with our season preview. Uh, we've been going through uh, the, all the Premier League teams to kind of give you guys a, a little recap slash update on what we're expecting from these teams. We covered uh, two weeks ago, we covered the newly promoted teams. Last week, we covered uh, six of our uh, six of the mid-table to lower-table teams. This, uh, this week, we've got another set of uh, more of the middle, but getting into the upper half of the, of the table. Uh, and actually, I'm just going to kick it right back over to Christian, who's going <laughs> to give us a preview of Newcastle. Christian. All right. So I kind of feel sorry for Newcastle fans. You know, they have, uh, they've been around for a long time, and they're, they're hardcore. But they've had to deal with uh, Mike Ashley now for, for a long time. Like, will he sell the club? Won't he sell the club? And, uh, and it, this summer, it did actually look like they were going to sell them to uh, the Saturdays, right? And uh, Newcastle could actually start making waves in the transfer market and, and actually be that team that they should be in the Northeast. You know, they're, they're giants. They are giants. They but almost came back to be the old Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, you know, they've made two signings. Mark Gillespie, a goalkeeper from Motherwell, and Jeff Hendrick, a central midfielder from Burnley. And I guess, you know, both of those players may be, may be good, but uh, but... I don't think it was what Newcastle fans were expecting for sure. You know, they've got a, a decent manager in Bruce. You know, he's been around the block a few times and he knows the Premier League and he'll keep the team in in the league. But, you know, how impressive that is for Newcastle fans, I don't know. You know, the Premier League, they, they have a kind of an easy start in September. You know, they're at West Ham. Uh, they play Brighton and they play Spurs. And then in October, it becomes a little more difficult. They're at Burnley, United, Wolves, and they play Everton as well. So, you know, you don't expect a lot, maybe 50-50 of the game that they should win. You know, you would think that they'd be off to a good start in September, beating West Ham, beating Brighton. You know, Tottenham's obviously a tough game for them, so you wouldn't expect them to beat them. But, you know, you never know. I think Bruce needs to get off to a good start or else he may be under pressure quickly as will Mike Ashley, but Mike Ashley, I think, doesn't really care at this moment in time about Newcastle fans in Newcastle. So I hope they, I hope they do well. It's, it's, a, one, it's one of those clubs that you really want to see in the Premier League. You know, they're huge. They're like Leeds United. You know, when they're down, it's funny to laugh at, but really you want them to be there just because they're massive clubs. So, yeah. So that's it from me. What is so it fair the, what, to – sorry, go ahead. Christian, what's the latest on the uh, the attempted sale to the oil barons in the Middle East uh, by Newcastle? Did that just die out, or? Yeah, it's it's dead in the water. There has been uh, a little bit of movement, I think, but that's probably just Newcastle fans in hope and press talk rather than real real movement. Gotcha. Would do you think it'd be fair to uh, to say that Mike Ashley is like the Dan Snyder of uh, of owners over in the Premier League? <laughs> Dan Snyder's the owner of the uh, Washington football team. And basically, you know, they came, came asking for the, for the Redskins name and they were like, he's like, I don't care. I, whatever you think, I don't care. We're keeping this. This is ours. And yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. So he, he seems to always want to be in it for the money. Right. And then in the past, it looks like folks have offered him the asking price and then he's like jacked it up a little bit. <laughs> So, uh, so I know there's, I, I know a lot of Newcastle fans, and they're really, uh, really unhappy about it. Mm -hmm. But then I know a lot of Sunderland fans too, and they're delighted, you know, delighted that it's not occurring. 
<laughs> sounds Fair. it sounds like he's what uh, Spurs fans think Levy is. He's he's the real actual Levy, except uh, without the success is what it sounds like. Without the success. Oh, Christian. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I teed that one up, though, to be fair. Yeah, you did. Watch I'm off my, right I'm off into my it. game. The night is young. It's okay. Oh, it man. is young. It is young. All right. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Uh, we. I'm actually going to go ahead and take the next, uh, the next team covering Sheffield United. All right. Uh, that, I would say that this that was this past season's uh, Cinderella story. Sheffield came into the league and, uh, after being promoted and were obviously expected to immediately get relegated again. Um, and not only did they not get relegated, uh, they actually were competing for a European spot up until the uh, up until the restart after COVID. Uh, so the, uh, the Sheffield finished as high as fi- or uh, leapt and reached as high as fifth in the table. Uh, during the season, but ended up slipping and, and finishing ninth overall, uh, just narrowly missing out on on a European spot. Uh, but pretty, you know, I would say exceptionally well done for given you know their situation and, and what they have. Uh, Chris Wilder has done a fantastic job with them and helped them play to their strengths. A um, couple of couple of interesting no- things to note: um, they they reached I mean these heights they reached you know as high as fifth and finished ninth, having taken the fewest shots of any team in the Premier League. All right, even even below all three teams that got relegated. Not a stat you normally see. Additionally, though, they were they were fairly good on the defensive side. Uh, they uh, allowed the eighth fewest shots on goal. And as many of you know, or many of you who paid attention to the to the per- previous season know, uh, when they did allow a shot, they had a starlet goalkeeper uh, between the sticks. And uh, where's what it? was his name Loney? again? Dean Henderson, a loney from Manchester United, a uh, fantastic lad who uh, is back at United now. So that's going to be a, a real a real point for them to uh, to try and overcome in the in the coming season. The uh, the standouts up front, uh, McGoldrick and McBurney, uh, played well off each other. Uh, I think McGoldrick had some uh, some finishing issues, but uh, this season he he managed to put through you know quite a few more than he normally does, uh, as well as Lee's Musset. Uh, they they all stepped up and and you know managed to I guess fire home enough goals to to get them you know into the top ten which is great um, and then it looks like they've uh, they've brought in a couple of uh, a couple of players in the back um, and they now have Chris Basham and Phil Jagielka in the back uh, and they have Aaron Ramsdale it looks like is going to be taken over at goalkeeper for Dean Henderson now that he's back at United. One of the interest the most interesting things is they're actually uh, rumored to be going after a Liverpool player. Uh, who is who has left on, uh, at the end of his contract, um, Nathaniel Klein, and the hope is, or for Klein and for Sheffield United, that maybe he'll get the opportunity to uh, to revitalize his career uh, there in Sheffield. But uh, going to be a tough season coming up for them. Um, obviously, people are expecting a lot out of Sheffield. They played tough last season, um, so I think that it would be ambitious for them to to think that they're going. Um, back into the top 10 again but honestly i don't i don't foresee them um heading down i don't think that they'll get relegated they uh they switched to a a three five two kind of a compact uh team shape and uh it it worked out well for the players i mean uh, wilder got the most out of his guys so uh i'm looking forward to watching them play again this season i think they'll get relegated Christian with the uh, the the pick me up yeah he's forever forever sheffield's uh cheerleader there (laughs) <laughs> Why? 
why do you think, I mean, do you think it's just because they played so beyond their expectations that in order to balance out like the natural order of the universe that they're yeah. going to. Yeah. So stats like Charles uh, was just told us that are just crazy. It, it can't happen again. It won't happen again. And their lack of squad depth and quality, I think we'll uh, tell this season. Okay. Very cool. Biggest biggest blessing for them was not finishing in a European spot. Because could you imagine them traveling to Trabon Spore on a Thursday and then trying to come back and play Arsenal on a Sunday two days later? There's just no way right. they would gotten crushed by that. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't. We definitely don't want Arsenal to look good. So, <laughs> so well, and this is uh, so one of the things that I know we we kind of mentioned um, on Twitter is the vote recently that happened about the number of subs and the fact that they voted to only do the traditional three and not have that fourth and fifth potential sub during a match. Ultimately it's to this kind of team's benefit, right? That doesn't have the depth that you were talking about, Christian, Um, that the other teams, the deeper teams can sub people in and then just totally change the dynamic. Yeah. They've got that fourth and fifth sub. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at the the teams uh, who were already spent big this summer, right? So Chelsea, they could probably field two really good teams, you know. So mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and, so, and so, I mean, I guess some argument could be made to that that is part of the reason why Sheffield fell off as much as they did after the restart because they added in the the five subs and all of a sudden you know Sheffield didn't have the bench to keep up with some of the teams they were playing and they played. In that okay. in that final in that final stretch of games, I think three or four of their games were against uh, top seven opponents. So it was a it was kind of a, a rough stretch for them. Well, and Charles, that's actually a really cool segue to me covering Southampton because <laughs> I know, right? Well done, dude. Um, <laughs> the last uh, the, all right, so Southampton during the restart beat Man City, right? Drew against Everton, Man United, and Brighton, and then one against Bournemouth and Sheffield. So, you know what I mean? Like they were faced with that same kind of challenge, but they had a, a much different restart experience. Um, they wound up finishing eighth overall. Um, and and I, I, there's also some cool parallels in the sense that if Nathaniel Klein does come over, you hope he has that kind of experience that Danny Ings had you know what I mean, coming to Southampton and, you know, basically revitalized his career. He was basically 40% of Southampton's goal production this past year. Um, They've lost. One of the things as far as my familiarity with Southampton is that they seem to be the producers of people that transfer onto bigger and better greener pastures. So um, as a Liverpool fan, um, I'm sorry, Southampton. Like, I feel like we've um, greatly benefited from the fruits of your endeavors. Um, Tottenham and Arsenal have been the most recent beneficiaries. Um, Cedric Soares has gone to Arsenal and Pierre-Emile, we know I'm going to mess it up. Um, Holberg? Holberg. Hoybier. Okay. So anyway, or, I apologize. Or Hoiberg for us Americans will work. Hoiberg. Okay. Right. And there's two J's in there just for fun. 
Um, so two, one's a Scott. He's a central midfielder. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Hoybier is a central midfielder. And are you excited to get this young man from Southampton? Very. So it either means less Harry Winks, who I'm not a fan of, or less Musa Sissoko, or mm -hmm. less of both of them together, which would be even better. So yes, at the okay. worst, it's squad depth. So yes. Why don't you like Harry Winks? Because when he's in the team, he has to be the deepest lying player for us, and he doesn't have the mobility or the positional sense to be the sole in a single pivot. He can't do it all. He's not athletic enough to, to do what he needs to do. And I think Hoybier will help with that. Do you think Gaia will remain as a center half then? I do. I think uh, he and Mourinho got on the same page quickly with that. I think Mourinho sees him as the future uh, of the defense. He and uh, Davidson Sanchez. Mm. Well, and I can see personality-wise, it's, it's a fit because he's a bruiser. Um, and that seems to be something that you're coaching choice. Um, so... Looking forward, uh, Southampton's going to start with Crystal Palace, Tottenham, Burnley, West Brom, and Chelsea. Um, oh, yeah, I, I can see maybe, maybe starting three and two, maybe. Um, anyway, I think it's going to be exciting. They finished eighth. I, I see them still finishing middle of the table, but I think it's going to be fun to watch. All right, Eric, okay. I think it's over to you with Wolves. What do you have for Wolverhampton, sir? All right, well, Wolverhampton is obviously one of my favorite uh, favorite clubs to watch, and manager uh, Nuno Espirito, Espirito Santo has done a really good job since they've been uh, um, promoted to the Premier League. Let's look at last year. They got 15 wins, uh, a whopping 14 draws, and they lost nine. Their goals for are 51, goals against was 51-40, and good for 59 points, and that placed them about seventh place in the table. Their leading scorers was the Mexican international sensation Raul Jimenez, one of my favorite strikers to watch, with 17 goals, and Joda had seven. Uh, Traore had nine assists, and Jimenez followed that up with six. If you look at the net, one of their um, uh, better goaltenders in the league, he doesn't get a lot of, a lot of pub for that, but I think Rui Patricio has done a really, really good job there. He's got 13 clean sheets. He conceded 40 goals um, in, in his appearances. The average goal per match, I did the math, was 1.05. He had 2.3 saves made per game. He just, I just think he's really, really um, a talented top-notch goaltender. Kept him a lot of games. If you look at their schedule last year, they beat uh, Man City. They beat Man United. They beat Spurs. They almost beat us. It took us last second, like the 90th minute, to score at their place at Molyneux. Um, that place is kind of hell to play in. Um, they're just a really, really solid side uh, ever since they got promoted. They just keep getting better. And Santo, I think, really gets the most out of those lads, in my opinion. Um, if you look at their transfer um, – their transfer doings this year. We got uh, Matias Sarkic is signed as in and out. I think this signing is going to, um, for Spurs, going to help them and, and hurt uh, the Wolves. Doherty has actually gone to Spurs uh, for an undisclosed amount. They lost Watt to Bradford. They lost Giles to Coventry and Norris to Burnley. So those are the, the uh, out lads that are going out. Um, they still have a lot of talent. I think they obviously have too much talent to fall in the, the latter uh, quadrant of the table. Uh, I don't think they have quite enough, especially with the loss of Doherty, to go on the top end of the table. So look for them to finish like anywhere for like again from seventh to maybe ninth, maybe maybe six if everything breaks right. What do you guys think? Well, one of the things I wonder is something that um, 
we mentioned just a second ago is the fact that they're not playing European football. Is that going to benefit them because they're not overextended? And so they have the ability to play fresher compared to the other seven, you know, the, the big six or seven clubs. That's a great point. I think a lot of times, you know, where our, our lads fall short is not making an excuse. And I think the rest of the, the rest of the staff is going to kind of guffaw at this, but uh, a lot of times where Liverpool falls short, some of the other competitions because they're tired. You know, we play in so many, um, we're playing, you know, the Champions League, we're playing the FA Cup and we're playing, you know, the, the Premier League and everything else that sometimes the lads just look tired, you know, Mo looks tired, whatnot. If, if they're not playing, then I would think that would definitely give them an advantage over some of the clubs who are playing all those comps, you know. So uh, one thing I, I wouldn't rule out with Wolves in particular, especially with Jorge Mendez, you know, super agent has the relationship, the really strange relationship with that club is borderline <laughs> against the rules. As far as I'm concerned, their, their recruitment will be strong with young Portuguese mm -hmm. talent. They're linked to a player, Thierry Courier, uh, who's a right back who may replace uh, Dorothy. So he's really talented. He'll come in cheap from Spain probably go for 40 million in a couple of seasons knowing knowing Jorge Mendez and Wolves so I think they'll they'll recruit over their holes through the Mendez relationship and I think they'll be ninth through 12th I think Everton strengthening and some of the other side of strengthening may impact Wolves but I think they'll be fine right in the middle of the table okay sounds about right yeah at, at best I think that's that's where they end up for sure. All right. So moving on to our final team of the preview. I'm going to toss it over to Scott, who's introducing Skiff's favorite team to pronounce. Leicester. Leicester. We miss you, Skiff. Yeah, pour one out for our, our pal Skiff. Leicester. Leicester City. So as everybody knows, Leicester finished fifth last season. They were firmly in third double-digit point lead over United and Chelsea. Brendan Rodgers kind of started to Brendan Rodgers there, and they they slowly, slowly fell off. And I don't want to sound like a Leicester hater because I'm not, but I kind of felt that was coming the whole time, um, and it, you could just see it. Now, they did put in some decent performances after the, the restart, but they just didn't look like themselves. And it's weird for me because they've got – a really strong squad. So up top, they've got Barty in the midfield. They've got Madison and DD. They've got, um, let's see, they just sold Ben Showell, but at the back, they've got Soyuncu. They've got Ricardo Pereira, who's one of the best right backs in the league. So they've got a really strong squad. I think that uh, they'll be able to replace Ben Showell, who just left for Chelsea for 55 million euro. He's a left back. Um, they also just made a signing today which is, this is strange, bear with me. So they sold Chilwell, who's one of the better young left backs in the league for 55 million. They bought a right back, Timothy Castagna from Atalanta. You may have heard me talk about him a few weeks ago as a potential Spurs target. They bought Castagna for 23 million as a right back, but he also spends quite a bit of time on the left. So if the season started now, they would likely play either Castagna or Pereira on the left side. So they'd have a right footed left back. Now they're both very good and they can both do it. I haven't seen that in a long time, except maybe James Milner at left back or Ashley Young at left back for United with when uh, Mourinho was there. So that, that would be interesting. 
But given the he's a quality player, given the strength of their squad, I think they're going to be firmly upper mid, upper mid table, challenging for the European places. I think that with what the business that Spurs have done, I think they're going to leap leap Leicester. I think the business that Arsenal done, Arsenal will likely leap Leicester. But I think right around six, seven, eight is a is a likely landing spot for them. Oh, Yori Tielemann in midfield. That's the guy I was I was forgetting. And obviously, uh, Schmeichel in goal is very talented. Uh, and, and say what you want about Brendan Rodgers. He's, you know, throughout the course of the season, he will do more good for them than he will bad. He's, a, he's really a good manager. I, I see the faces of Liverpool fans. Their eyes are rolling in the back of their heads. But he's a good manager. The biggest challenge for me with Leicester, unless they do more business, and I kind of touched on this with Wolves potentially, is how do they handle a Thursday in – Slovakia coming back on a Sunday to play City or play Liverpool that as a Spurs fan I can attest to what the two-day turnaround Thursday to Sunday is and it's not easy now Spurs always have quality squad depth whereas Leicester don't have that they've got one of the better uh, starting 11s in the league I'm curious to see how they handle that uh, that that uh, two-day turnaround with a, a huge travel travel day in there so their schedule is interesting. It, in the first few weeks of the season, it's either somebody challenging for Europe or somebody who's fighting for relegation. They've got West Brom first, and they've got Leeds, which is their last game of October. So they got two of the two of the newly relegated or newly promoted sides, excuse me, in the first few weeks. Um, what what do you guys think about Leicester this season? Well, one of the things I think is interesting is Jamie Vardy is thirty three. And so with that, the downside of the quick turnaround is not only do you have a whole squad that's a little fatigued, but if your playmaker, your, you know, big gun up front, it, you know what I mean? Like as far as getting him ready to go in two days, like that's, that's a taller ask than somebody like boys that are like 22, 23, 21, you know, something like that. So that's a good point on counter-attacking and speed, right? So I think as, as Barty does get a little bit older, you know, his legs will go a little bit, so it's going to be tougher for them to score. But I think the missing Chilwell is going to be huge for them. So what Leicester do really well is bring their, their fullbacks up, up high up on the field to go down and then cross. So when you have this new guy, this right footer at left back, it's a lot it's a lot more difficult for him to get down the line and, and put the ball over. He has to always cut inside. So it's easier for the defense to, to handle that. So I think they'll struggle quite a lot this season. I wonder if there's a problem in, with uh, Lester in the dressing room with uh, Brendan Rodgers and the guys. And I don't know, if, is, is it a, a point where, because that was kind of an, I, I put bottlers in the chat. That was kind of an epic kind of choke job. I mean, they had a decent position in the table after the restart and kind of choked it away. Do you think they really believe him anymore or they have, have they lost faith? Personally, I, I think that, and again, I don't want to sound like the Lester hater, but <laughs> it is still Lester here. Like, not Brendan Rodgers is not bigger than Lester, but I don't think any one of those players can be like, oh, who's Brendan Rodgers? I'm Yuri Tielemann. Like, come on. Like, the, Brendan Rodgers is still a good manager. He took them no, – I don't think anybody thought they'd finish third last season. So, re regardless of the way it ended, I think the, the squad probably still believes in him. They had a lot of injuries. Remember, that's, uh, Madison was out. I think Chilwell was out, if I'm not mistaken. Soyuncu was suspended for the last several matches. It was a tough end 
squad-wise. Not not that they weren't already capitulating, but it was a tough ending for them luck-wise as well. Weren't they as high as second last year? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. That was not a dig. Sorry. Nope. I feel like that was really mean. Nope. They were as high so, as second. Before we move on. They did win the league a few years ago. Let's not. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I forgot. Raniere with his little <laughs> glasses. Loved him. <laughs> it's pretty much the same squad, right? And they just added quality to it. So, in theory, that you know, they should be third. No, it is not the same squad. <laughs> no, to no, be fair. They added more quality to it. They also lost Riyad Mahrez. Right. And, and, and the Conte. Conte. Yeah, thank you. I, I, think, I think, Christian, you're being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but they do have a really good recruitment team. They really do. No, I was, being, I was being serious. I think it's I mean, a really good team. They got Conte for $8 million, sold him for 50 They got Ndidi for like $6 million. They could set, They could name their price for Ndidi. They have a great recruitment team. I, I wish Spurs would go after some of the players. And typically we do, but we don't actually sign them like Lester does. I think they have a great recruitment team. So their floor is, is pretty high in the future. So I, I agree. I don't think the third is their, their reasonable ceiling, but I think that they could finish well within the European spots. Hmm. Now, I, I mentioned Leeds. So they face Leeds on Halloween. I have a question, and it's something that, that I've discussed with some of my friends. Actually, so do you remember at the beginning of last week's pod, Christian, I said you were right about three things. Henderson's overrated, Firmino's overrated, and Liverpool will struggle with Leeds. So that, that got my Liverpool friends upset. So we had some conversations, and I mentioned to them the best thing they could have happen to them is facing Leeds away without fans. As our resident historian and, and knower of all things England, give us a little bit of insight about an away match at Leeds when it's full. Because I don't think everybody understands what, what an away match at Leeds can look like. Oh, yeah. If you're an away fan or away player, it's, it's horrific. It, they are so vocal and so passionate. Ellen Road is, is, could be a fortress. Like, if they played their games in the evening all the time, so, you know, under floodlights with the crowd. As I said, the last time I was on here, I think Leeds are a massive club. And, uh, Liverpool playing Leeds in the first in the first week is not good for Liverpool, I don't think, because Leeds the, will be up for it. So there's two things. I, I love. So we have three Liverpool fans on the pod. So I love any adversity Liverpool faces. So there's one one thing I've noticed over the years is facing a newly promoted side in the first week. Generally, you get their best punch. Right. So I wouldn't want to face Leeds in that first week, particularly with that style. Bielsa is going to attack them in a way they haven't been attacked. Now, Liverpool fans, I know you want to play against a team who wants to play football. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. But also for you to face Leeds in the first week and for you to face them away in the back end Mm -hmm. of the season when they may actually have fans, that is a one-two punch I wouldn't want if I was facing Leeds. I would want to go to Leeds early and have them come to me with my fans, not not the reverse. Not to make this a Leeds section, I was just really curious – what your take was on, oh, on that sure. there, Christian. I, I agree with Scott. Absolutely. And he, la- and he loves the fact that it's us, the Liverpool that is doing This is it. great. Naturally. This is great. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> this is great. So speaking Hello. of Liverpool, speaking of Liverpool, the blue side of Merseyside is, uh, has made some transfers. Charles, do you want me to jump on into the transfers here? Yeah, so we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, I think we can run through some transfer business. I mean, it's been kind of hot and heavy this past uh, seven to ten days. So let's, uh, let's, let's go through it. Why don't you uh, give us a rundown on what, what's going on at Everton? Let's keep it on Merseyside, the, the blue side of Merseyside. So there, obviously, Carlo Ancelotti's taken over. And we've all been curious about, he took over mid-season. How does he mold this squad? There's been some conjecture. Does he try to bring in young players? Does, does he see this with a, as a short window? So he wants to go ahead and start challenging for Europe immediately. And with the, the rumored signings he's going after, it's clear that he's not looking for young players. He's looking for someone who can make an impact right away. So they're linked with two players. Basically, both deals are almost done. James Rodriguez from Real Madrid. 29-year-old attacking midfielder, one of the stronger pedigrees in the world uh, from an attacking midfield perspective. Played played Monaco with Radamel Falcao when Monaco rose to to prominence in their brief oil money reign and was transferred for an insane price to Real Madrid. The manager, Carousel, there didn't treat him very well. So he's he's on the way to Merseyside with Ancelotti to, to reunite with Ancelotti. Very talented player. It's a reasonable fee, 25 million euros. Now, he's a little bit older. He's 29, signed in, I believe, to a three-year contract of very high wages. So this is a little bit of a classic Everton transfer where the end of this contract is not something that I think is going to be pretty. I wouldn't want to be paying a 32-year-old James, you know, 200,000 pounds a week, but, you know, that's Everton's business. So they also have a deal lined up with a midfielder named Alan. He's a central midfielder from Napoli. He's very good. He's also 29, so he's he's an aging player where the back end of this contract won't be friendly either, but he's a very good midfielder. He's one of the better midfielders in Serie A. So age aside, these are two very good signings, and they're, they're the types of signings that could push Everton into serious contention for the European places. As a Spurs fan, short term, I don't love these signings because they're good players. They slot right into a weak part of Everton squad. They can challenge us for you know, four, five, six, where trying to be realistic, that's likely where Spurs will finish. So I, I think these two players are good players. They address weaknesses in Everton's side. What do you guys think about those signings? I think it's incredible. I can't believe that the two best play, two best midfielders in Moses' side are going to be wearing blue. It's incredible. Ancelotti's doing a great job. <laughs> so last week, Christian, I want to get your opinion on this real quick. Um, last week, uh, I mentioned that uh, it seems like what uh, Ancelotti is doing is really making a push to try and reach European football, influx some some money into the club, and then and then maybe possibly create start a rebuild at that point. Do you think that this is just further evidence of of that uh, mindset, or do you think he's going a different way? Yeah, I, I actually think he's being well funded. weren't weren't they bought by a Chinese consortium, something like that? I think Everton are really well yeah. backed. Yeah, right, so I think if they do get Europe, it's a bonus. But having Ancelotti, man, he's one of the biggest names in the world for coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I do say this song in cheek, but if I was a player and my choice was Ancelotti or Klopp, I think I'm going to Ancelotti. You know, he's been I... around, he's been around the world. He plays in different systems. He can he can take any club and make them better immediately. And I think that he did that with uh, Chelsea a few years ago, you know, so he could do really good. One, one of the things, uh, I, I don't know if that was tongue in cheek. I can never really read you, Christian. You, you make me laugh so much. 
one one of the things about Ancelotti, all joking aside, and the difference between he and Klopp is Klopp Klopp is an absolute expert. He's a tactician. He's he's great at man management, tactics, everything. So don't take this the wrong way. But I, I think that Ancelotti is he he's a reads the squad he's got and he sets his team up to to work no matter the squad he has. And Klopp did a great job with a really bad side at Liverpool when he started. Don't get me wrong. That, that squad he took over was terrible. But the, I think the job Ancelotti did with the really average Everton side was, was impressive to me, the way he set up his fullbacks to attack. I mean, Jabril Sidibe and uh, Luca Dean were in the top 10 as far as attacking uh, metrics go for fullbacks. Anybody know them now or even before the season? No. I mean, it, he did a good job with no midfield. Defenders, you don't know their name. So Ancelotti is a very good manager. Klopp is probably, you know, in the top top two or three in the world. But Ancelotti is very good. And these signings will make them a challenge for uh, everyone. Well, this is, this is my only challenge is since Milan, he's never been anywhere longer than two years. And so, you know, it's – I'm not – I am not – arguing his pedigree he's a coach i like he's a coach i respect just is he in it for the long haul no i don't think so i think yeah, Mourinho, I Mourinho outlasts him at spurs if that answers that <laughs> question speaking Ouch. of spurs speaking <laughs> of spurs so i'll be quicker here because we've kind of touched on on both of the signings so pierre emile hoivier is a center central midfielder from Southampton. Uh, we Spurs brought him in for 15 million. Uh, he's 25. He's got a, a strong pedigree. He was actually came up in the Bayern system, and Pep Guardiola is obsessed well, with Hoybier. He thought he was going to be his future after the the midfield engine that he had in Bayern. He didn't. He was 17 with Pep, so that that was a big ask to come to break through as a 17 year old in Bayern, the biggest club in Germany. So he ended up going to to Southampton to get some game time and he grew, he grew into a, a really good player. So he's a great signing for Spurs. It basically, the way the deal worked, it was Kyle Walker Peters plus 3 million pounds, which is like a bag of potato chips and $3 million because we, we weren't playing Kyle Walker Peters. So that was a great, bit, great bit of business from Levy. And as Eric mentioned early, earlier, Matt Doherty from Southampton or from Wolves, 28 year old right back. And I'm going to, give you guys some context on why this matters to me. Serge Aurier is our current starting right back. AC Milan, if you're listening, please, please turn it off. So Aurier attempted the fourth most crosses in the league for a defender. That's great. He's getting, you know, he's bombing down the right side. He's whipping the crosses in. He's doing a great job. He was right behind only Merseyside right backs and, and left backs, Alexander Arnold, Robertson, and Luca Dean. I don't know what it is on Merseyside, but you guys – whip crosses in from your outside backs he had the worst completion percentage of those crosses in the league fourth most attempted he only completed 14 percent of them that's that's not good that's not good so he had five assists on 137 crosses doherty had three assists on just 45 so if you're curious why spurs wanted doherty over serge aurier it is efficiency and passing and it's obvious in, in any bit of data, data that you can get. So I'm excited. Great bit of business on basically 18 million pounds. You're going to put two, two starting the 11. So Charles, what you got on United? You no, know, 
I am going to try and keep this uh, relatively short. The uh, we did do uh, Christian and I did a uh, Man United transfer podcast that uh, people can listen to, and honestly, not a not a ton has changed since we did that uh, did that podcast. So just some some quick updates. Um, first of all, uh, Chris Smalling is is has almost completed, or United has almost completed a deal to send Chris Smalling to Roma, a little bit less than what we asked for, but uh, it's sounding like somewhere in the neighborhood of of eighteen million. Um, up front with a little bit of, of add-ons uh, there. So be nice for him. He's, he's, he did well at Roma last season, so I'm, I'm happy for him. I hope he does well. Uh, Alexi Sanchez um, is gone. He's off the wage books. Thank goodness. Good riddance. Uh, and then, you know, we've got a host of players that, uh, you know, honestly, for some of them, they've been rumored to be shipped out for the past five years. Haven't actually seen them go yet, but, you know, Phil Jones, Marcus Rojo, Sergio Romero, Diogo Dallo, uh, Juan Mato, Jesse Lingard, all uh, have been rumored here or there to be to be gone and out the door. <clears throat> I don't expect all of them to leave this window. I, I think you're, you're more likely to see uh, Rojo, Romero, and Dallo gone. Uh, I think the other ones will end up still on the bench and uh, still ask, having United fans asking questions. Uh, why the hell they're still here. So um, on the incoming market, uh, United made their first signing of the transfer window this past week. Unbelievable. Donny Van de Beek from Ajax. Uh, it, was a, it was actually a really quick transfer. Uh, it honestly took, I think, about four days in total for it to, to fully go through, which was fantastic. Uh, it's completely unlike Ed Woodward and the uh, United management. Um, but, you know, still... Other rumors about uh, some other players coming in. Um, Sancho is still uh, still on the rumor blocks. Honestly, I think that deal does get done. I think, unfortunately, it doesn't happen until probably deadline day because Ed Woodward's terrible at his job. Uh, and then we've you know, a couple a new one that's popped up: Sergio uh, Regulon uh, from Real Madrid, a uh, left back that we're looking at uh, would provide some good depth and cover if we're able to bring him in. Uh, and then there was Jack Grealish and uh, Dio Apamecano uh, from Red Bull Leipzig. Those two are both rumored. I don't think either of those actually happens. Um, I think the, the center back is more likely for next summer. Grealish, who knows? Um, I don't know if that'll ever come, through, come to fruition. I would love it for squad depth, but I don't think that it actually does happen. Christian, what do you think? Any, am I missing anything? No, I definitely agree with you with Grealish. You know, we, we've bought... Fernandez and Van der Beek for the for what they were asking for Grealish and for the guy at Leicester as well. So yeah. Woolwood actually did a good job there. But um, no, there's paper talk of Thiago as well, stealing him from uh, from Liverpool. But that's probably more of to drive the price up for Liverpool than United actually getting him. So yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I mean, the United <laughs> United were also tossed in the rumor mill for the uh, the defender out of Lille um, that I'm going to touch on in a minute, uh, Gabriel. Uh, but it uh, seemed like everything about that was just to to make Arsenal pay the fee quicker and get it all done. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really kind of sometimes it's really tough to sort through what's an actual rumor and what's um, you know what's just used for for uh, you know uh, what is it haggling. Yeah, At stuff. least we weren't linked with uh, Messi because. Everybody knows that that <laughs> way with the current United. So, oh man, the messy, messy situation is still ongoing. By the way, for those of you who who aren't following, uh, he still has not uh, ended up in a specific place yet. So we will keep you updated at the more that we know about Messi. All right, so I'm going to move on now and talk about the team that <clears throat> has seemingly done all the transfer business and hasn't slowed down or stopped. 
Chelsea, the terrible blues of London. Uh, they have now officially signed five with the sixth being all but confirmed. I mean, we're talking at the 99%. The only thing he hasn't done has been presented in a Chelsea jersey. Um, so they've signed Zayek, Timo Werner, Ben Chilwell, Malang Sar, and Thiago Silva, and then Kai Havertz to come in um, in the next few days, honestly. <clears throat> that, that deal is definitely all but done. Um, they're just doing an, an insane amount of transfer business, bringing in that many players. Now, granted, for those of you wondering why, if you paid attention to our financial fair play discussion, how can they get around this? Chelsea was banned from transfers for the past two windows, unable to bring anyone in, and thus they didn't spend. And so that money then accumulated, allowing them some more freedom to be able to spend in this window. Um, and also they're, you know, investing smartly and selling other players, sending other players away. So they are somehow going to fit this within, maybe, maybe, maybe if you need to take a look. <laughs> and I think I City know. have shown that financial <laughs> fair play is a myth. It doesn't exist. Yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah. So Chelsea is not really worried about uh, anybody coming to check their books because right. you saw what happened to City. So um, the only other rumor out there for Chelsea at the moment, they've been, uh, there's a lot of talk about them going after Declan Rice. Um, however, I, I personally don't believe that deal goes through. I think that Chelsea is after Havertz is, is done with their business for this, for this window. So there's no way, there's no way Declan Rice leaves after the, the emphatic message given to him by triple H of the WWE (laughs) avid, avid West Ham fan Hunter Hurst Helmsley has urged Declan Rice not to leave for Chelsea. So there's, you can't leave after being threatened by triple H, right? You just can't. That's an endorsement that you just can't ignore, is it? I mean, at that point, you basically listen. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, you know, not follow Triple H's advice? I mean, he's probably the smartest tr- soccer transfer man there is in wrestling. That's right. You'll get power bombed at the center circle of Stamford Bridge if you make that transfer. <laughs> so I am so annoyed by how good, how well Chelsea is doing in the transfer market. Yeah. Werner's 24, Chilwell's 23, Sars 21, Havertz is 21. Not only are they mostly reasonable fees, they're really good and they're young and I hate it and I hope they do terrible and go somewhere else for a dirt, a dirt uh, cheap fee later. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. I, yeah, it's, it's been really good business. I commend them on the quality of what they've brought in. Um, I think that it's definitely going to, you know, this, this just offers Frank Lampard a, a bunch more um, pieces and toys to put in place for him to, to possibly operate a you know a very strong team and a very uh, you know attacking minded team uh, this right. coming season so Chelsea be very dangerous who gets Sar- fired first Solskjaer or Lampard ooh trick question neither one of them leaves who leaves Ole for what for retirement or oh he's just started hold on I'm curious now where does he go <laughs> I see. I, I I don't see any any reason why uh, why Frank's going to get fired in the next five years unless you know he he misses on a title. Which I, given the te- given the team that he's got, I don't see him not pulling home some form of silverware along the way. I mean, so this is what be- I see happening. So the team doesn't gel straight away because when you bring so many players in in such a short space of time, it's hard for them to connect straight away, right? But if you look at Klopp's business at Liverpool. It was gradual, right? He brought these players in like two at a time and he made this great team. Mm-hmm. Frank's brought them all in at once. So I don't know. I've seen him back five before. And, and only one, only one of these five has Premier League experience. 
in a, right. in a time where there's not as much preseason, I, I think you've, you've got, you're onto something there. I, I've made my opinion clear. I'm not high on Lampard. I've made jokes about him being overrated as a player, which were just jokes. Lampard was an incredible midfielder. I don't, I don't know that he's quite the manager that he appears to be at this point in his career. And I think it's something to look out for trying to fit all these pieces together because how many of these players are attacking players and how many, how many attacking players left that were getting serious minutes. So fitting all these guys together is going to be a challenge in a new league. And by the way, Hakeem Zayek is built like my four-year-old son. I mean, he's tiny, so he's going to get destroyed in the Premier League. I, I, I don't know. I'm not crazy about that. So he's five eleven. Yeah, and 110 pounds. I, I just think he's going to okay. get pushed around. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Chelsea. Oh, he are, is skinny. Damn. All right. Sorry. He's, he's Danny Ceballos, skinny. Skinny. Yeah. I, I all jokes aside, I think Chelsea may challenge. Um, at some point for the title, and then I think they fizzle out Brennan Rodgers style. So this 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 pains me to do this, but I I am exactly in the opposite camp from from both Scott and Christian. And uh, Kyle is going to love listening to this episode. Uh, our our resident Chelsea fan. Uh, I, I honestly I disagree you know wholeheartedly. I think I think what we're going to see is Chelsea is a, a top three team this coming season, um, and then they'll build on that, and they may even challenge for the title in the following season. So. Um, uh, Frank has done to my bemusement he has done really well in his managing stints thus far Um, putting together good play and attacking play with uh, you know pieces more or less you know pieces that aren't necessarily his so if he's finally getting in the players he wants I mean yes this is a vital season for him to prove who he is as a manager but I unfortunately I think he gets it done I actually do if United gets Sancho you still think Chelsea finish up in front of United? Uh, no, if United gets Sancho, I think it goes. I think Liverpool's top, United second, uh, Chelsea third. I think City so, finish fourth. But if my Man question, City gets Messi, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. My, my, my <laughs> question, my question with Chelsea: none of these players are true midfielders. So Conte is—he's not Conte anymore. Jorginho is still Jorginho. Mm-hmm. They've got a, they're going to have a very solid defense. Chilwell and James are great outside backs there. And between Saar, Silva, and, and the players they already have, their, their defense will be fine. I don't think they have a very strong midfield, a true midfield. They've got to find two reliable, good players in the middle, unless they're just going to do what, what Mourinho did with Spurs last season and just play through the midfield, long balls, and defend. I think that's going to be their challenge. Plenty of attacking I mean, talent, plenty of defenders, but the midfield is a little bit weak. So my argument against Liverpool was that they didn't have a good midfield. And I still think they don't. However, their defense is unbelievable and their attack is also unbelievable. So the midfield really doesn't matter so much. You could have workmen in there like Milner and Henderson and it just complements the rest of the team really well. So, yeah. And I think that that's the, I think that's the role that, uh, that Zayek is, is slated to fill. And I think that honestly they might even, they might even, move Polisic a little bit further inside um, because he's shown a real, real ability to create space and then, and then deliver a ball. And honestly, that maybe that's all that Chelsea needs is somebody that can, can receive and immediately turn and play another ball out wide and to use the wings. So that's, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they want to do. I don't know if I'm sold on their goalkeeper. What about their goalkeeping? I don't think their goalkeeping is very strong <laughs> that, at all. That's that's their weakness, honestly. Right. That's that's the the essence of their weakness. And I'm, I'm shocked, uh, legitimately, that they didn't uh, go out and splash cash on a 
on a big keeper. Probably trying to get Pope or somebody. Keppa Keppa would not be their goalkeeper. Like I, I they've spent 220 million euro already. It's going to be at least 260, and it's going to be a keeper. There's no way Keppa might be on the squad, but he'll be filling up somebody else's water bottle. Sergio Romero is available for 60 million to Chelsea. Old old black is uh, headed Chelsea's way, 100%. Oh, if they get old black, look out. Ouch. Well, but this is something. Uh, that would be go ahead. Million. That would be three hundred and twenty million instead of two hundred and twenty million. <laughs> but something that you guys mentioned a couple of episodes ago was the fact that Kepa, like he had such a horrible season that next year there's no way it's going to be as bad. He'll return closer to his his mean performance, which is heads and tails better than he did this past year. Maybe. What if that was his mean? It's not based on the data, though. Yeah, but he came from Spain. It's a totally different league. Um, I don't know. I'm not convinced. Okay. He, he yeah, built he like Zayek. Kepa's like... <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a head case, it seems, and so it's yeah. I don't. I don't. I think Chelsea lost faith in him, so I think I, I definitely yeah. don't think he's between the sticks next year. Maybe, maybe he stays as a backup keeper if they can't offload him, but that's about yeah, as, as Frank, much. I don't think Frank likes him at all, does he? No, yeah, keepers... that doesn't seem like it. Keepers are like kickers, too. They're head cases. Yeah. You just sure can't right. let one lose confidence. Yeah. Jen, so they're delicate. Love, you love, Jen, you love Keppa. I think Keppa needs to go to Liverpool. <laughs> you, you clearly love him. No. No. We'll give him Liverpool has had – we've had our keeper drama. Thank you so <laughs> much. Hey, speaking of keeper drama, Arsenal, Charles. Yeah. Emiliano, Emiliano <laughs> Martinez or Burn yeah. Leno. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think he, about Arsenal's transfer business? I mean, honestly, Arsenal have done Arsenal have done okay in the transfer window. I'm not going to knock what they've what they've done so far. It's not it's not been great. It's not been terrible. Um, I think when Burn Leno returns, he definitely takes back over the the number one spot, uh, and I, I don't see him losing out uh, that that spot. But Arsenal have uh, have brought in uh, three players thus far. Um, they've re-signed Danny Ceballos uh, from Real Madrid. <clears throat> he was there on loan this past season. It looks like he's going to be back again. Um, and they also brought in, uh, I mentioned earlier, the, the 22-year-old defender from, from Lille, uh, Gabriel. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. That's, that's beyond my capabilities. Where is it? I'll um, try and say it. I'm joking. <laughs> Don't. Um, Don't. So, which, honestly, that was a really good signing for them. Um, you know, he's a highly rated defender. I think um, if he continues to develop, that could be a very, very quality signing for them. But we'll see. Um, There's still, you know, he played at Lille. So no, we're not really sure. Um, uh, the other person they brought in is, was their most questionable bit of transfer business. They, they brought in Willian from Chelsea. The aging Willian who, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe he's got another good season on his legs. But we just don't know past that. And they gave Willian a three-year deal, which is what Willian wanted. And yeah, so he's only thirty-two. What's two hundred fifty thousand? Yes. What's only what's two hundred fifty thousand pounds a week for a thirty-two-year-old? That's maybe it's that's pocket change. Apparently, <laughs> listen, that's maybe fifty-five staff members worth of salary. Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Ronaldo's 50, like thirty-five. He's still good. Yes. Yeah. And William similar. has never been uh, to a Bologna or joking. ceremony. <laughs> so yeah. So also <laughs> everybody on me all at once. so so arsenal i'm gonna do two things i'm gonna crap on arsenal and i'm gonna give them credit so 
I'll give them credit first. So there was one more. So last summer they bought William Saliba from St. Etienne in France. He's 19 central defender. He's incredibly talented. And I am nervous that he might be really good for them. So they loaned him back to St. Etienne last season. So he's coming back from loan this season. I don't think we're going to see Mustafi as much. David Luiz as much. He's, he's going to play a lot. And Gabriel's going to play a lot. Yeah, on the they, side, they re-signed. So they, got, they re-signed David Luiz. That was the. That was another one. What? Like, what? Uh, towards the end of last season, they gave him another year, one-year contract. I was like, what? So you had addition, a chance to get rid of this. <laughs> in addition to to the three-year contract for Willian, they also extended uh, Bumiyang, who is 31. He's also making 250,000 pounds a week. So you've got two 31, 32-year-old players with multi-year contracts making a combined 500,000 pounds a week. What Honestly, could they, go wrong? They, I, you know, I, I don't mind their stumping up the cash for Aubameyang. He's been excellent, um, and he was de- definitely going to leave if they didn't pay him. So um, that he right now is is their most dangerous attacker, in my opinion, and, and most dangerous goal scorer. Um, so that's great. But the William that that business still just uh, absolutely confounds me. I was I was shocked when I saw that. It uh, it was almost like a, a certain team paying Alexis Sanchez uh, half you know half a half a million a week uh, at but, his but age. You've, but you've got Lacazette though. You, you you don't have to be desperate for mm. Alba when you could let Lacazette play and and you could pay three other players two hundred fifty thousand. I'm just it. Aubameyang is one of the best strikers in the league, but it's not like they were trotting out. I don't know, Fernando Llorente behind him. I mean, it, they've got Lacazette, who's also one of the better strikers in the league. No, he's not. No, he's not. Uh, he's, he's, he's been super he's, inconsistent. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen, he, he's, he's, he's one terrible. of, yeah, he, he's, no, he's not terrible. He's good enough to let Lacazette, <laughs> to sell Lacazette. He's good. No, you don't, you don't give a 31 year old 250,000 pounds a week for three years. You don't give two of them that, let alone, I mean, that was a terrible. You can give one of them that you don't have to give both of them that. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. But in addition to that, uh, that uh, incoming business that Arsenal's done, they've had some rumors of going out a couple of, a couple of players that are uh, seen as possibly out of favor with the, uh, with the manager. Uh, Lucas Torreira uh, is rumored to go head back to Italy um, after his short spell. Get it. Anybody got it? No. All right. Uh, heading back to Italy, um, possibly head to, heading to Fiorentina. Um, the other one, uh, Sideshow Bob's uh, best friend and uh, ultimate mirror, uh, Matteo Guendugi, uh, was rumored to be in talks with, or at least PSG was interested. Uh, however, that rumor has cooled in recent weeks. And so um, it looks like they we might get to keep our uh, our double sideshow bob uh, syndicate there at uh, at arsenal for one more year at least so but that's that's kind of wraps up our, our transfer business section uh we had some had some really interesting stuff that happened this past couple past week and a half and so uh it's good to go over it all and, and i'm curious to see what happens in the next week or so i think we could possibly have some more uh, more big deals coming through but we're gonna move on to a new section something we haven't done yet but We've had multiple people talking about it lately, and so we thought we'd bring it up. New kits! New kits are being released, both for uh, the Premier League and for the Nations League, and there are mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. <laughs> so I'm going to toss it out there. I want to know, what, what are the ones that you guys like the most so far? I like all three United kits, especially the new black and white one. 
Of All right. And is. Christian will not be back, unfortunately, to, on this podcast <laughs> for quite some time, unfortunately. So, so. so my son loves it. Love, loves, loves it. And he's 15 years old, right? And that's the target audience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh. So we will be parting with $100 for that shirt. Sure. <laughs> no question. With seven Sancho on the back. That'll be a good one. Have a, That'll be perfect. A, Dor- a Dortmund player on a United kit. That's strange. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll get a Sancho all. kit. Well, actually, so Germany <laughs> is his. So he has a Dortmund kit. He has a Bayern Munich kit as well. So he, he'd be okay with that. He'd roll with that. What else? What are the good, what are the good ones do we like? I was kind of uh, against our, our new one at first with Nike because you think Nike, you think, you know, they're bigger than New Balance. They're going to create something great. And the home kit came out and it's like, that's it, you know. It's not terrible, but I was <laughs> expecting a little bit more. But then I'll be a hypocrite because they came out with a little bit more and went way over the line on the other side for the freaking under the sea kit sponsored by Ariel the Little Mermaid. It was it was it's terrible. Nike the doesn't care. Is absolutely trash. Nike doesn't care about any club. They they're too big to give. Now our third yeah. kit, which I have on order, hopefully is coming soon, which is uh, kind of like Croatia design with the checkerboards and the, the kind of the reddish pinkish around the sides. That one is okay. That one's kind of a, a mix between experimental but not over the top. But that 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 away kit is just terrible. What about the uh, Spurs new kit there, Scott? The home kit is it would be okay. They Nike always does something to us, something little that gets on my nerves. It's just just give me a white kit, okay? They'll be white, just give me a white kit. They've got weird stuff on the shoulders. The the collar looks like they've just made a mistake and we're like, just leave it in there. The green kit, the the away kit is green with pink accents. Like I, I just don't know. And the the third kit, so it's a throwback to the sixty sixty one FA final. FA Cup final kit. It's classic. It's got the crest in the middle with just the the, the Nike swoosh under it. Yellow, which was which was one of the one of the kits in that year. And then they made it a gradient yellow to match a set of Air Max shoes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Listen, I know Spurs. I know Sp- there's not a ton of Spurs fans in America, but we're one of the bigger clubs. I mean, to match a shoe, give me a break. A shoe. Well, well, I will say that third jersey sounds an awful lot like the new England home kit. And Christian, again, disagrees with me. Shocker. Apparently, he and I don't have a... No, I don't. I think it's terrible. I don't like it either. Oh, I thought you did like it. The home shirt? Yeah, the home shirt. Oh, okay. No, so it has a big England badge in the middle, which is great. But then, like, the Nike swoosh went right underneath it. Yeah. I know. I uh, to me, I, what do you think? I, I described it as a mid '90s practice top. Like that's what it looks yeah, like to me. It's, it's not Christian. It's I love, I love the away though. The, the blue, blue away. One? Yeah, I you like, you like it. Yeah. Oh, it's so clean. I like anything with a, a real collar. That's very English. Right. That's very, that's very like early FA Cup. You know, that, oh, I love it. I love that. Yeah. Everybody, like, everybody, Google there, it. It is nice. I don't think we have enough kits in 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 football that uh, that have collars on them. I'd, I'd like to see more. I, re- I like it would be nice if if you had one like one of yours can have you know a normal, but then the other one has the the flip down collar. I think that would be you uh, should you a should classic. have to wear if you play a Sunday match. You should have to wear your collared kit. Right. <laughs> okay, that that right there is the. I love it. Yeah. Other than that, no. Just <laughs> Jen, 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 we know you have thoughts. What, what do you think? Uh, Give us some thoughts. Just, 
I just honestly, I want, I want Nike's interjection into the premier league to be what it can be. But honestly, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed. There's not, there's not anything that really grabs me at this point. Um, and there's some stuff that honestly kind of creeps me out, like arsenals with like the blood and the, <laughs> the no, it's just sponsored it, by Dexter. Right, right. Serial killer. Totally. And then they've got like the writing on the back um, is very gangsta. I guess we'd call it. Oh, is that the third jersey? Um, yeah, the third jersey. Careful, yeah. careful, careful how yeah. we approach this. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it, I don't want to say anything nice about City. So anyway. I, I actually haven't on. seen it. Oh, that, that City, what is it? The, oh, city, the, what is the uh, city Third? It's called the Amoeba. It's, it's horrible. It's got, it's got, it's Paisley, isn't it? Horrible. It's, yeah, but it's oh, like, it's funny. It, but it, Sponsored like with city, a set yes. of, well, I'm honestly with a set of khakis, it probably wouldn't be too bad. Maybe. I think Maybe. that may be, honestly, okay. I think that may be the demographic, the Paisley may be the demographic they're aiming for, though. Like, because Pep is a very well-dressed man. So... Talk about Manchester here. Nah, no one's wearing Paisley Manchester. <laughs> yeah, but but how, many, Pep... how many City fans are actually in Manchester? Quite a few. That's, pretty, that's primarily their base, right? But Pep is... Pep, Pep doesn't fit. Like, like, as a person, when he's on the sidelines... He's usually one of the the best dressed guys, even when he's dressed down. Like he's got style. I feel like I, this is a, a, a stain against the Mancunians, there, Jim. <laughs> no, it's just like anyway. I I think he's a good looking dude, but anyway. <laughs> so why why don't we? Any anybody listening, get at us on Twitter. Let us know what you think your favorite and least favorite kid is. We've posted a poll already, but I think with some listener suggestions, we can repost. Um, this is a really curious Definitely. one. I'm never that into it, but people get really passionate about the kits. So please let us know what you think at F-I-V-E-A-T-B. Let us know what you think. Best kits, worst kits. Yep. Bring them on and, and we'll discuss them. And, as, and, and for Christian's earlier comments the, uh, in our previous poll, the United third kit that his son absolutely adores uh, was the winner of the ugliest kit uh, that has been released so far in the Premier League. I voted, I voted out of spite <laughs> there, for that There one. were many more than just four votes <laughs> in this poll. So, yeah, no, it was – It's and you guys, you'll get a chance. If you check us out on Twitter, you'll get a chance to see the kits and see what they look like. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, United's first and second kit, they're fine. There's, there's nothing – they're not great. They're not, a, they're not terrible by any means. Uh, but that third kit – Wolf. Wolf. So. <laughs> All right. And now we're going to move on from this to uh, a new, another new segment, our listener mailbag. We, uh, we asked for some questions, uh, for people to submit questions on Twitter, and, uh, and we're, so we're going to answer a few of them, as, as it were. Uh, this first question is, comes in from at JSRamos04, one of our faithful listeners. He, uh, he asks, I'm going to open up, this up to all of you guys. If you could take any one player off of your rivals and put them on your on your team, who would you take and why? Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. I, I called dibs. Sorry. Now is is that is mine, that to be a mine. rival? 
a yes. rival or just yes, anybody else in the league? Is City a rival? Is that a rival of, of Liverpool? No, it's not. Doesn't count. You got to pick from Everton. It has to be Everton. Well, it is now. We're, no! we're for the top spot all the time. <laughs> exactly. I'm going with De Bruyne. Guys... That would perk up our midfield real quick. It would. It's true. Changing the rules halfway through the game to serve your purposes. I, Mr. Ramos said rules, rival. I, it says rivals on the question. That's that's how the question was. But written. the fact that we've been duking it out for first and second for the past couple seasons, how does that not make them a Christian. rival? Christian. And I. Rivals? Christian is – are they rivals? Oh. City no. and Liverpool. <laughs> no, they're Thank not you. rivals. Two All you want to go traditional rivals, you know what? I'm, Neverton's not even worth taking, so I'm not, I don't want anybody off there. But I would, take, <laughs> I, would take, uh, I would take Greenwood. Greenwood's going to be a star. Kids, what, 18, 19 years old? Greenwood's a stud. So that would, that would set us uh, uh, far in the future for a long time. It would make us real, real good. Fair enough. This is a dumb game, and I don't want to play. <laughs> Christian, go ahead. I think you said uh, a certain Van defender Dijk. there from yeah Van, Van Dyke. Yeah, Van Dyke. Very smart. Very smart. Yeah, I, I, that is exact same. Yeah, I would say Van Dyke. He'd solidify that back line and uh, yeah, make us a, make us a much much better player. What about you, Scott? Who would you take from Brentford or whoever it is you guys were running? <laughs> Oh, I thought it funny. was Fulham. Oh, no, no, that's Chelsea. Never mind, sorry. Chelsea. I, I would probably take Chilwell. I wouldn't even let him play a single match. I would throw Chilwell in instead of Ben Davies at the left-back spot. All right. So more of the same from Spurs. Well done. All right. So moving on to our second question. This one comes from at the skiff13, and he asks, why does Scott talk so much? Because <laughs> he's smart. Quit picking on him. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, at the Skiff 13 is our, one of our co-hosts that is uh, Skiff. So uh, that is just a great little jab at, at Scott well, there. Well, there's one more question from at yeah. Scott's mom that says, why does Scott talk more? <laughs> All right. Going to have a duke it out between Scott's mom and Skiff on, on Twitter, hopefully very soon. That'll be fantastic. I love you, mom. So, can I, can all right. I move, my moving on to the, next, can I, to the next real question. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you go ahead, please, here's please. A, here's a question too. Who amongst the big six teams will miss out on Europe this season, and why is it Tottenham? <laughs> oh, poor Tottenham. That was sent in by at KTJ1725. Noted Chelsea fan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's kind of rough. Listen, it, it could very well be Tottenham, and if you want me to tell you why, it's an injury to Harry Kane. Ooh, and yeah. an injury to Youngman's son. That would do it. But I mean, let's let's take it from like let's ignore the the last little bit of that question. But seriously, who amongst the Big Six team might actually miss out on Europe? Who's got a realistic shot? Arsenal. Yeah, I no, well, no rivalry aside. Rivalry aside, it's Arsenal. So the reinforcements are geriatric, and never been in the Premier League. So. You know, William pops an Achilles, 31-year-old Aubameyang can't score more goals than he did last season, and that still didn't do it for them. Ceballos is coming in to – I mean, he's not coming in to replace anyone. He was the, the midfielder for them last year. They, I, I don't see the, the massive strengthening of Arsenal relative. It's not Chelsea. It's not United. It's not City. It's not Liverpool. So it's between Spurs and Arsenal. And I think we've done smarter business to fill our gaps. Well, and you could also argue that because Arsenal has already won their little shiny badge for the year, you know, 
by beating Liverpool in um, the the shootout kind of stuff. I mean, they've they've checked that box. They've gotten their hardware for the year, so <laughs> they can underperform, and that's okay. I told you they're going to be right because Matt. Christian, what do you think about this question? I think it all depends on injuries. I think mm-hmm. if I think if United gets injuries like we did last year, then we will struggle yet again. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, yeah. if Martial gets injured and Paul Barral Fernandez, I know uh, the beat comes in, but like we said with Chelsea, you know he's new to the Premier League. He doesn't look like the strongest player, so it may take him a, a season to get acclimatized a, a to the to the league. If Maguire gets hurt then that back four is, is dead in the water. So it could be United, actually. Very possible. Very possible. But, I mean, I mean, it's, it, it is also realistically, you know, it could be Spurs. It could – the only team that I think out of – honestly, out of the top six that, that is not immune to missing out on Europe is Liverpool at this point. I think they're I'm, the only ones that I'm definitely City. will secure. I, think yeah, I disagree. I, I, don't think, I don't think City's as strong as – as you guys think it, it is. I mean, given what they've, you know, where they are age-wise, where they are, you know, having lost out or missing out on Sané now, um, I don't, I just don't see them, you know, given the up and down performances that they had, uh, you know, this is, essentially this is coming into a situation that Pep's never dealt with. He's never not been been out there, you know, buying enough players that he likes. And so I don't see City as being as strong as. as yeah, but they're know. not, there's no way they're falling below seven. No Phil, way. Phil Foden is going to carry them if he has to. I'm Maybe. not kidding. I, he, he's, I think he could be the next generational talent in the world. Um, I, I think he easily picks up for David Silva's spot and, and even more so. He could take up for Silva and Sané in that role. Player, yeah. So the Euro- if the European Championships had happened this year like they were supposed to, England wouldn't have, have done so well. Next year, England's winning it and the World Cup based on their midfield and forwards. I really want to talk about this more at some point, Christian, because I think England's young generation combined with some of the – like Harry Kane's 27, 28 now. He's right. old enough to help bring those players along. Right. I, I think that's a really interesting topic, and I think they could rack up some silverware in the next yeah. four years. It's so good. You know, they won the, the World Cup under twenty under twenties, under nineteens, mm-hmm. under seventeens as well. They got like very deep into the tournament. The the youngsters are very, very, very good. Well and Agreed. it's a good discussion looking at where they stand comparable to like the other national teams, you know, and who their their big competition would be with Mbappe, you know, in France and that batch. And, the Dutch, the Dutch, the French, and the, and the English. Phenomenal. All right. Agreed. Well, we've got uh, one more question in the mailbag to, uh, to attend to tonight, and then we will uh, – and then on to our uh, what in the world of football. So, Christian, why don't you hit us with the, the final right. question of the night? So, this question was sent to me uh, yesterday, and it's for Jen and Eric. <laughs> okay. So, the question is, why – are Liverpool fans all sensitive given their past two years of success? Sensitive in what, like, what way? Like, what we, way know, yeah. we know Eric's angry, like, just all the time. 
but that's so, part of his charm. So, so being on the defensive and being upset when people criticize that players. Because it's a load of stupid bollocks. You say stupid stuff on, on Twitter, <laughs> you're going to get clapped back at. Like like the, the, the Arsenal fans the other day saying, you know, David Silva is better than, I don't know, better than Virgil van Dyke. I mean, come on, man. Oh, people Be realistic, you know? Oh, it's, you just took a bunch the of, it's just a bunch of stupid stuff, and I, I really I don't know why everybody. It's not like we're the Patriots; we've won every year. We won one time in thirty years. There's no reason, unless you're a rival. I get it, but there's no reason for anybody else to hate us right now. I, I just don't. So, Klopp's a great guy. You know, Mo does a lot of good stuff in Egypt. Um, Robbo does a lot of good stuff. They do a lot of charity stuff, which I believe we're going to talk about tonight. Maybe next time, but there's well, just no reason to hate us if you're not a rival. I just don't understand. I really so, are don't. you are you saying these last 12, 14 months have been a blip? Then. What do you mean, blip? Can we repeat it next you, year? You've won, you, you've, you won once. You won, two, you know, the, the Champions League and the Premier League. It's been right. a, a lot of success in a short amount of time. Is it just a blip on the radar then? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know. I mean, time will tell. We, <laughs> haven't, we haven't addressed. We've addressed one of our two needs this in this signing window. And I really I couldn't tell you. I, I hope not. But we'll see. I mean, you never know. What I'm saying is we don't win every year. Like, you know, Man City has won a, a, a number of Premier Leagues in the last uh, couple of years, and they spend a lot. I get that they're playing the villain role. They have all this money and the oil money. I get that the hate on that, but Liverpool's not like that. It's a little different. So I just don't understand all the, the, the hate online and whatnot. But. Eric, I feel like you need a hug, dude. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> all right. All we so, need is there we this go. bird. That's all we need, man. All right. Well, to all our fantastic listeners out there, if you have any questions you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, feel free to send it to us. We will answer them. We absolutely will answer them. Uh, out on Twitter at f i v e a t b. Uh, send us send us your questions. We'll, we will talk about it. We we got we we love to talk about these things. So, all right. Moving on to our final segment of the night, we have our what in the world of football. Uh, I got. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take this one. I'm going to steal it away from Eric for one uh, one time, uh, but mainly because it revolves around a Manchester United player. Once again, Marcus Rashford heading for potential knighthood in England with the way that he's performing off the pitch. Uh, he has put together a child food poverty task force. Now, this is coming on the heels of a uh, something that he did where he pushed back against the uh, the Parliament in in the UK. Um, to extend uh, a government free lunch uh, program for, for school-aged children, which was fantastic. But now he um, is partnered up with uh, companies such as Tesco, Waitrose, and Aldi. Um, and they have three main goals uh, as a part of this, this task force. First is to extend the eligibility criteria for free school meals to include an extra 1.5 million children. Number two, making free food and free activities more widely available during school vacation periods. And number three, increasing the value of meal vouchers and making them available to more people. So uh, at this point, we, uh, we just we tip our caps. Marcus, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, everybody appreciates it. Men United fans are not. Um, this, is, this is what we love to see um, out, of a, out of a footballer using his power and his, uh, his position to, to make the world a better place. So uh, it, was, uh, it was really good, and, uh, and we love it. So all right. Thank you, Marcus. Doing a great job. Keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah, even even this even this red diehard red fan loves him, man. What a what a great lad, and and it goes to show that I'm all about rivalries, and I hate you know some of the clubs that are rivals, but 
this goes beyond football. And, and I think we need a little bit more good news than bad news uh, in the world today. And I think he's leading the way. And I think he's done a fantastic job. He's one of those players that is easy. Let me rephrase this. It's hard to hate him. I was going to say it's easy to not hate him. That would be wordy. <laughs> um, he's, he's not very demonstrative. He goes about his business. He does, he does good off the pitch. You know, he, he's, he's easy to like, hard to hate. So good. Agree. good on him. Yep. Yep. We're all, uh, we're all super excited to hear news like this. It's a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing in these, uh, you know, less than enjoyable times. Scott. And b- before we go, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. Cause I know we've, we've been going a little long here, but for anybody listening, if you're curious about football finance and the, the, the fickle nature of football finance or soccer finance, especially in England, just Google the Chinese TV contract and what England has done with that it's uh it's it's a lot of money that they've they've lost uh yearly for the next few years so look that up and maybe we'll talk about that next week when we have a little bit more time pay per viewing coming <laughs> yeah, absolutely everything's coming in that way so all right i want to thank everybody for listening once again uh we all, we obviously love interacting with you on twitter so check us out there and uh we look forward to having you guys again next week thanks you to christian for once again stepping in and filling the guest host role fantastically all right guys thanks so much